Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Tom Jensen, the Director of Public Policy Polling, is our is our uh, guest, and uh, we've talked about all sorts of things that you're polling on. Usually, uh, Tom, you've got some fun things that you also, when you do polling, you sometimes have an extra question or two that people will uh, respond to. So you usually do some some uh, uh, polling. I've got to turn off my cell phone here. <laughs> I thought I turned it off just a minute ago, but I apparently pushed the wrong button. So uh, uh, what did – do you have any fun – polls this time sure well we uh we did a poll after the women's world cup because uh megan rapino the u.s soccer star and uh president trump kept fighting on twitter so much so we finally just did a poll and asked people who they would vote for for president between the two of them uh and megan rapino beat trump 42 to 41 uh and it's sort of funny because she's not actually running for president but it does show that pretty much no matter who you test against trump he's in that sort of low 40s so that was an offbeat poll that also told us something real okay now something that's going on uh, in the uh, country right now is the increase uh interest in sports betting and of course north carolina with the casinos in the western part of the state will now have sports betting what does the public feel like about the change in the laws involving betting so we haven't actually done any polling on that but i think that it's something where uh voters would pretty much be fine with easing up the laws on sports betting well, I mean, it's been going on for years it's just been illegal yeah uh and this is maybe sort of a funny parallel, but maybe a reasonable parallel. Something else that's been going on for years and is increasingly becoming legal is marijuana legalization. Uh, and that's something that, you know, it used to be that voters were totally opposed to that, and now voters are totally on board with that. And I think that it's probably the same thing with something like sports betting. I think, in general, society is definitely getting less conservative on those sorts of personal choice issues. Uh, because it really doesn't play out that much as a Democrats versus Republicans issue so much as a generational issue. Uh, For instance, on marijuana specifically, where I'm more familiar with the data, a 25-year-old Republican is much more likely to be supportive of marijuana legalization than a 70-year-old Democrat. Uh, It's much more generational than it is party split. And I think with something like marijuana, with something like gay marriage, with something like sports betting, you're generally going to see the younger generation just be like, sure, we don't have a problem with that. You can do whatever you want. It's your choice, that kind of thing. The General Assembly also approved the sale of alcohol at uh, uh, sporting events in North Carolina and especially on the college campuses. And I think almost every school, with the exception of maybe Duke, has said, okay, we're going to sell uh, beer at ball games. Uh, what's uh, have you done any polling on that? Definitely, any sort of polling we've ever done about liberalizing alcohol laws, there's very strong support. Uh, North Carolina obviously has had some of the more conservative laws regarding alcohol in the country, and uh, definitely when we sort of look into things like Sunday sales, letting uh, alcohol be served earlier on Sundays, the so-called brunch bill, those sorts of things, there's a very strong bipartisan consensus that those sorts of liberalization of alcohol laws are just fine. I always thought it was kind of interesting that the first school that allowed the sale was Wake Forest, which is a Baptist institution. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, 
uh, some of my very best friends are Baptists, or were until that last moment. <laughs> okay, so let's get back to uh, uh, some of the, the change in feelings about things like marijuana, gay marriage, and alcohol. Uh, and, and your point is this is, again, more generational than, than it is party. Yeah, younger people just don't think there need to be strict laws about any of those sorts of things. Uh, okay, so let's get back. I, I was going down the list of uh, people that uh, we were going to check on their name recognition and their approval rating. What about uh, Phil Berger, who many people feel like is the most powerful man in North Carolina? Uh, he, he may be, uh, but most people don't know who he is. Anytime that we poll on Phil Berger, 60 or 70 percent of people say that they have no opinion about him one way or another, which I think is just an ex- another example of what we were talking about earlier, where the sort of lack of local news coverage about state government causes people to not know anything about state government to the point where you can have somebody like Phil Berger be possibly the most powerful person in the state, but he has no name recognition. Now, you mentioned Dan Forrest in the possible run against Roy Cooper, but you didn't mention Pat McCrory. What, have you done polling on Pat McCrory, former governor? Yeah, uh, we, we find that voters are pretty evenly divided in their feelings about him. Uh, we tested him in a head-to-head with Cooper earlier this year, and he was down by four. Uh, I do think that if Pat McCrory did decide he wanted the Republican nomination, he'd start out as a strong favorite. Uh, because Dan Forrest, even after a couple terms as lieutenant governor, does not have very high name recognition, under 50 percent. And certainly the new candidate in the race, State Representative Holly Grange from New Hanover County, uh, certainly doesn't have any statewide name recognition. So I think that if McCrory wanted to run, uh, he'd have a pretty good shot at the nomination. But uh, it is getting a little bit late for him to do that. We have an early primary uh, next year. It's only seven months away at this point. Uh, so that doesn't really feel that long away. And, of course, somebody like Dan Forrest has been running full tilt for a long time now. So um, McCrory would start out ahead because of name recognition, but he would start out behind in terms of organization. Okay, so we've got uh, – I'm changing the subject here. We've got about uh – 3,000 candidates for president of the Democratic <laughs> slate. About 25 of them have are publicly announced. But uh, so, what? What do people feel like? Uh, how do people feel about so many candidates, and how can they possibly uh, pick from 20? Well, I think that one thing that sort of indicates how Democrats feel about having such a large field of candidates is we've definitely gotten to the point now where there's a very clear top four in the polls, and only four people are sort of getting that double-digit level, which is Joe Biden generally first, and then uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Kamala Harris, some combination of second through fourth. Uh, So even if not that many people are dropping out, the voters themselves have sort of picked a top tier of candidates. And one thing that's interesting, looking towards the next debate in September – is that the requirements are getting stricter, and so far only seven candidates have met the criteria to be included in that September debate, those four I just named, uh, and then Pete Buttigieg, Cory Booker, and Andrew Yang. 
are the seven who have qualified for that debate so far. I'm sure with another month to go to get the donors required and the poll support required that you might see another four or five get in there. But I do think we're going to be down to about a dozen people debating in September. And you really wonder at that point what the uh, purpose of the rest of them continuing is if they're not even getting included in the debate. So I do think we're probably headed to a period where this very large field is about to get a lot smaller. And uh, that'll be a relief, uh, perhaps for pollsters more than anybody else. It's very exhausting to uh, both poll takers and poll answerers uh, when you have to start off the Democratic candidates for president are and then name off 25 people uh, before they get to actually say who they are going to vote for. One of the things that you constantly hear with the Democratic candidates is they feel like the most important thing that they uh, – uh, are all about in this election is winning the presidency, uh, uh, defeating uh, President uh, Trump. But yet uh, they seem to be arguing with each other and becoming more divisive within themselves. That seems like that's a collision course to me. Yeah. uh, When people ask me if Trump's going to get reelected or not, uh, my answer, based on our data, is that if people decide how, based on how they feel about Trump, he has almost no chance. Uh, when you test him against a generic Democratic candidate, not only is he down by eight or nine points in places like Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania that are the clearest path to a Democratic victory, but he's also down seven points in Florida. He's down five points in North Carolina. He's down four points in Georgia. He's down four or five points in Arizona. Uh so generic Democrat, you know, is headed for an electoral college landslide, but Democrats need to make sure that they end up with a candidate who's strong enough. They don't even need to match the strength of a quote-unquote generic Democrat, but they do need to come within four or five points of it. And the way that Trump wins is if Democrats come out of this primary very divided and refuse to unify around whoever ends up winning the nomination, and then Trump can sort of uh, further expand that division and sort of make people who would otherwise be inclined to vote against him not show up or hate the Democratic candidate, that sort of thing. So that the answer to how does Trump get reelected exactly goes to the division you're talking about. It's to, to have Democrats divided and unhappy once this uh, process has played itself out. Now, there are scads of people who say that uh, Trump did not win North Carolina last year, that Hillary lost North Carolina. Uh, Did you ever do any polling on uh, how many people actually voted for Trump because they didn't like Hillary rather than whatever feelings they may have had about Trump? The the key to the election, both North Carolina and nationally in 2016, was that about 20 percent of voters disliked both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. But among that 20 percent of voters who disliked both of them, Trump won by like 60 points. So he was the lesser of two evils candidate uh, in 2016. Uh, And it's going to be interesting to see if as an incumbent he can be the lesser of two evils candidate again if you end up in a situation where voters don't like either candidate. Or if this time around uh, people say, well, I don't like either of them, but I want to try something new, so I'll vote for the Democrat and see what happens. So, okay, so you got 30 seconds to tell me who you right now think at this point in time will end up being the Democratic nominee to run against President Trump. It's a year, to, a year away, but uh, 
Well, I mean, I do think that Joe Biden's the favorite, but he's a 30% chance favorite. So uh, with 25 people running, 30% gives you a better shot than anybody else. Uh, but I still think he's less than even money. Uh, if I really had to guess, I think that uh, Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris might end up with it. But I still think Biden has a better chance than anybody else if you really just go down one by one. Tom Jensen is our guest here on uh, Carolina Newsmakers, and we'll be back with uh, one final segment of our program right after these messages. I'm Howie Mandel. Did you know attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in adults is a real and treatable medical disorder? I know because I am one of the estimated 10 million adults in the U.S. who have ADHD. The symptoms of ADHD, inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity make it difficult to pay attention and focus, be organized, complete tasks, and maintain relationships. I've been diagnosed with ADHD. In my life, I've often misplaced things and have found it difficult to sit down and read a script for work or even have a conversation. You know, the kind when you're actually listening without interrupting. It's never too late for adults to seek help for ADHD and find the right treatment plan. Get information at adultadhdisreal.com and take an ADHD self-screener. Talk to your doctor. The right treatment plan can help control your symptoms so you can stay focused and organized, get things done at home and work, and help improve relationships. Visit adultadhdisreal.com to learn more about adult ADHD. Don't let ADHD prevent you from achieving your goals. I haven't. I'm not staying home tonight. I'm at school all day. If they want me to do the work, give it to me while I'm at school. This guy has me coming to work 10 hours a day. So what if I didn't finish school? That doesn't mean he can work me like a dog. Hey man, I need a few bucks. My car's busted and I need some cash. Hello? Hello? Every decision you make has a benefit or a consequence. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the United States Air Force. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. This is Carolina Newsmakers. Our program, of course, is heard in two different versions, a 30-minute version and a 60-minute version. A number of the stations carry the full 60 minutes. Others carry the 30-minute version. If you happen to be listening to a station that carries the 30-minute version and you'd like to hear the other two segments, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that, carolinanewsmakers.com. It carries both versions and also just carries just the segments that you missed. If you'd like to share it with a friend, you can also do that. CarolinaNewsmakers.com. Tom Jensen is our guest. He's the director of public policy polling. He's been with us a number of times. It's a, a, a firm that actually happens to be located next door to our studio. So when Tom comes, he doesn't drive. He walks. Yep. You may be the only guest we have that walks <laughs> to our program. Uh, we've talked about all sorts of things. One of the things that we have not touched on and uh, – it's in the news all the time, but my question is uh, about this particular issue is, do people really understand what's going on here? And that has to do with the word Mueller. So, <laughs> I, you know, has that issue just become so confused that people just don't really know what, what's going on there? Or, or And I'm sure people that really follow it do, but uh, how many people really understand what's going on there? And do they really care? It is more than almost any other issue, something that really just 100% breaks down is if you like Trump, you think it's all made up fake news sort of investigation. And if you don't like Trump, you think it's a really big deal. Uh, so anytime we ask something like, do you think Trump colluded with the Russians or not? The numbers come out the same as his approval rating. Because if you approve, you say there wasn't collusion. And if you disapprove, you say there was collusion. So, uh, 
I don't know how much people really are paying attention to this. One thing I know for sure is that it is not high up on people's list of issues. If you ask people what they care about that's going on in the country right now, the Mueller investigation or Russian interference does not end up very high up on that list. I think uh, the level of media interest in it is sort of disproportionate to the level of normal people interest in it. But I do think, as you say, because it's all so confusing that people, instead of really trying to ferret out the truth of everything, just sort of fall into their I like Trump or I don't like Trump camps when it comes to sort of processing how they feel about it. So you uh, said this is not high on people's list of issues that are important to them. Let's, let's go down. What is the what are the hot buttons with the public right now? What are they most concerned about? I'm, I'm sure health care is there, somewhere in there. Yes, health care is definitely still the number one issue, as it was during the 2018 election cycle. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with this issue moving forward. It was very helpful for Democrats in 2018 because voters didn't want Republicans messing around with their health care. Uh, and that really is something that's sort of been a constant with the politics of health care, is that voters get mad at whoever's messing around with the health care system. It's sort of an interesting dichotomy because Americans say that they hate the health care system, but then anytime a party tries to really do anything to change the health care system, they say, <laughs> well, don't do that. They prefer the status quo that they hate to, this, to the possible changes that they don't know. So that really hurt Democrats in 1994 and 2010. Voters didn't want them messing around with health care and Republicans won. Last year, voters didn't want uh, Republicans messing around with health care and Democrats won. Now it's sort of an interesting situation where Democrats have a strong advantage on the issue, but a lot of the Democratic candidates are talking about making big changes to the health care system. And what we've seen historically is that voters aren't very comfortable with those sorts of big changes. They might change their mind over time. One thing we saw with Obamacare was that voters hated it the first five years after it was implemented, and now they like it. Uh, but if voters are scared in 2020 that Democrats are really going to make changes they're not comfortable with, that could get Trump reelected. Another term that we hear thrown around all the time is the term immigration, and it means so many things to different people. So what is really the issue there, or what are the issues there? Because uh, there's too much group uh, grouped under that same type, t- term, I think. Yeah, it's really muddled. Uh And so much about immigration issues, and this is also true with abortion issues, uh, I think they are very complicated to voters. And a lot of the time uh, in polling, you'll find that very small differences in how you ask about it can lead to very big differences in terms of what people sort of say their opinions are or not. And that makes it a little hard to figure out where voters really are. So, uh, you know, we definitely find that voters support a, a path to citizenship for uh, people who are here in the country if they uh, follow certain rules and uh, things. But then there's certainly a significant number of people who just uh, say send them all back. And I think there is a lot of nuance when it really comes down to uh, sort of how to handle these issues more broadly. But a lot of the time in public opinion, people are sort of much more black and white. Okay, I'm going to change the subject on you and get to I guess a little bit of a fun topic here. Self-driving cars. Have you done any polling on yes, that? Yes. We've done it, a lot. It scares of, me to death. We have done a lot of polling on self-driving cars and people are very much against it. 
Uh, and it is certainly a generational thing. Younger people are a little more comfortable with the idea. Older people are uh, not comfortable with it at all. But uh, we've done polling on that in a lot of places, and uh, people say that they are, are totally against that. But I also think it's kind of funny. I think that uh, if we're sitting here in 40 years, uh, we're going to have self-driving cars, and people who are my current age in 40 years are going to say, you, you people didn't want these self-driving cars. You, you sat behind the wheel for four hours and had to drive the car to drive to Washington, D.C. instead of just you know laying back and relaxing, taking a nap, reading a book. You were against this. So I have a feeling that if we were doing a poll in 1900 about cars, period, people would have said they were against that. It sort of goes to the same thing about healthcare. People are uncomfortable with the idea of change until they actually see the change, and then often they're like, oh, I like this. Well, I'm going to switch back to uh, – that. that's not exactly a fun topic, but it is one <laughs> where people are, are have some very strong feelings. Uh, so other issues that uh, the public is concerned about are uh, 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 maybe the economy. Uh, how do people feel about the economy right now? Uh, there's sort of an interesting divide there, which is that people feel like the economy is doing well on a macro level, uh, but then when you ask people about their own personal economic situation, there's much more division. We frequently ask a question, uh, over the last two years, has your personal economic situation gotten better, worse, or stayed about the same? About 32% of voters say their personal situation's gotten better. About 28% say it's gotten worse. And about 40% say it stayed about the same. So even though at a higher level the economy is doing well, only about a third of individual people say that they are actually benefiting from this uh, sort of strong economy. I had that up. That came to 90%. Now, this sounds like Yogi Berra. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. So... No, 32, 28 is 60, and 40 is 100. Uh, you're exactly right. I should not have ever questioned <laughs> you on that particular topic. Okay, so uh, we've got about a minute and a half to go here. So what are you planning to poll here in the future that we would find interesting? Uh, definitely interested to see if there is any fallout from the debates that happened this week. There were big movements after the first Democratic debate. Joe Biden dropped a lot. Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren moved up. One thing that's interesting about these debate bounces, though, is they have a tendency to fade. So a month ago, right after the debate, Biden was down, Harris and Warren were up. Now Biden, uh, with a month passing by, has regained a lot of the support he lost after the first debate. Kamala Harris has gone back closer to where she was before the first debate. So I think that's something that's important for people to sort of keep in mind is that even if we do see some big shifts with the polls that come out here in the next week, they may not be lasting. You've given me just enough time to thank Tom, uh, Tom Jensen, Tom Gibson, Tom Jensen for being our guest on public. Uh, he, of course, is the director of public policy polling and is a frequent guest on our program. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us again next week. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that, carolinanewsmakers.com. So to next week, same time, same station. Have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.